Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. Way to podcast. Indeed. What <laughs> antiques are we talking about this week? You know what? We're going to get a little... <laughs> We're going to get a little lowbrow, I think. Oh? Because I wanted to talk just a little bit about chamber pots and bedpans. Of course. We've all had that moment in the antiques mall when a customer comes up to us and says, how much for this gravy boat? And then we have to do a lot of awkward explaining. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is mostly why I wanted to uh, touch base on it is, um, you know, the world's worst soup tureen, I like to call it. Guess the number one thing they've been mistaken for in my time as baby bubblers. Oh, baby bubbler. We had an episode on them. Oh, bubby pots. Yes, thank you. Uh, bubby pots are usually much smaller. I guess the thing I said was different from that. Yes, it was reminiscent in like a vibe kind of way. <laughs> you know, baby bubblers. I say, and babies are us, gesturing wildly to the shelves at a bewildered employee. Oh yeah, I guess that a bubby pot sounds like something you'd give a baby. So I'm, I am following. <laughs> I came up with it, so you weren't that off. So, uh, <laughs> well, at Chamber Pot, well, I guess I have to explain this just in case you don't know. You do. It is the ancestor of the bedpan, which you might be more familiar with as they are commonly used in hospital and recovery and elderly situations. So you're probably familiar with the bedpan, but the Chamber Pot is the ancestor of the bedpan. It is a portable toilet meant for nighttime use in usually the bedroom. It's a piss pot, a pot for your piss. Yeah, when you don't have a pot to piss in. (laughs) I found a couple places claiming that chamber just used to mean bedroom. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got so used to hearing rooms referred to as chambers that that almost sounded like bullshit. Sounds legit to me. If you know better, write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. I also found someone delightfully referring to it as antique chamber pots were used as indoor toilets for night soil. Which, I hate that. (laughs) I never want to hear that again. Night soil, which is the Victorian word for human excrement. Also, though, if you're doing a sludge band, I think you couldn't go wrong with a name like Night Soil. Night Soil would be a very good name for a sludge band. (laughs) So yeah, these were really, really important before plumbing and flushable toilets, and actually stayed pretty important during plumbing and flushable toilets, because those wouldn't be accessible to everyone for a long time. And also, not in your bedroom. Yeah, and also that wouldn't be in your bedroom, so, you know... You gotta go. You gotta go. There is a significant convenience factor to the chamber pot. In fact, chamber pots do have a sort of utility in our current lives for people who have mobility issues who just might not want to be making the trek to a bathroom, and also for children who might not be able to be relied upon to use a bathroom regularly. The chamber pot, I think, lives on the longest as the training potty. Uh Uh-huh. Because that thing, that's just a chamber pot. You just gave them a bowl to piss in. Indeed you have. (laughs) They're also known as, and this delighted me because I had never heard any of these phrases, the potty pot. Huh. That feels redundant. (laughs) I guess the potty pot was from the French of like, pot de piss. Because like, I guess most commonly that was shortened to po. Which is just weird. Sure. But there's also the phrase gesunder. Okay. The thunder pot. Well, they're just having fun with it. <laughs> or the thunder mug. <laughs> yeah, that's... uh. <laughs> Catch me calling it anything but the thunder pot from now on. <laughs> thunder, 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 thunder pot. <laughs> and I thought the Thundercats used a litter box. Ho-ho! So... A chamber pot is usually 10 inches around, often with a single handle, and frequently with a lid. 
They can be made from a number of materials, anywhere from earthware to ceramic to metal, which includes pewter or enamel or tin or copper. Very famously, George Washington had a pewter chamber pot. The single handle is, for me, the most important part that distinguishes them from soup tureens. And also they should be squat enough to fit under a bed, which is how you distinguish them from slop buckets, which are not as gross as they sound. I should hope not. A bedpan, on the other hand, is, as we mentioned, for people who are infirm, people who are unable to move or have difficulty moving, and is generally a sort of low slipper shape for use with minimal movement. And some are specifically designed as urinals for people with Audi genitalia. As for the history, I think we all kind of know that pissing into stuff is uh, a tale as old as time. (laughs) True as it can be, some might say. And delightfully, there is a story of a wealthy salt merchant who turned the concept of the chamber pot into the symbol of excess by commissioning a chamber pot made of gold that was so tall he had to climb a ladder to use it, which violates the expediency the chamber pot was largely used for. Luxury. A chamber pot, interestingly, might also come with its own furniture. For more upper-middle-class families, it might be stored in a cabinet with doors to hide it, which might also be lined with zinc, tin, or some other metal to keep the stink in so that you wouldn't have to empty it till the next day. These are called commodes, a type of nightstand specific for holding a chamber pot, which is why the word commode is sometimes used to refer to toilets. Commodes are also frequently mistaken for dough boxes. No. Yes. No one's making that error. Lots of people make that error. No. (laughs) Mostly because a dough box is actually a fairly rare piece of furniture. You know, most households didn't make enough bread that they needed a special area to proof them. Yeah, so why is your immediate thought the very rare piece of furniture and not the commode, something everyone needs in a world before indoor plumbing? Mostly just because A, the dough box is more expensive and most people have never seen or interacted with a dough box and so don't have that immediate, this is not what this is. But why would it even come to mind if like it's not even part of your world? Part of your world. Unlike pooping. I want to knead. I want to yeast. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike pooping. I can't answer that. Um, I think people ignored the history of pooping for so long that our brains glaze over things that are obviously for pooping. That's very dumb. Yeah, it is. Now, these are not to be confused with a slop jar, which is a large double-handled tall urn that is almost always part of a matched toilette set. Slop jar also feels like a good sludge name. Yeah, slop jar is an amazing sludge name. So when I say a toilette set, a lot of people don't realize that the ubiquitous like bowl and pitcher for bathing is almost never standalone items. No, no. It is part of a set. Exactly. Which would also include a chamber pot, soap dishes, toothbrush holders, cups, any variety of pitchers for cold and hot water, and a slop jar with or without a lid. And the slop jar's primary use was for more easily emptying the bath water from your wash basin. Because wash basins are pretty low and emptying, that would slop water all over the floor. You would say it's sloppy. Ha <laughs> Which is where the slop jar comes in. A lot of people hear slop jar and assume that it was for emptying your chamber pot into. That's not the case. Chamber pots were designed to be emptied without splashing. For very good reasons. For extremely good reasons. I found a bunch of pictures of chamber pots for overnight sleeper car trains that are printed all on the front with do not empty this out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not a problem I'd thought of, but now that I'm aware of it, it's very funny. 
What was that one band that emptied their tour bus sewer system onto a boat over a bridge? Oh my god, I can't remember. Please, if you know, please let us know. Email us, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com, but I'm imagining it's a similar issue. Yeah. And furthermore, I'm not going to clarify it here because if I Google any of those matched letters, I'm going to get something I don't want to see. So (laughs) it's also notable that the slop jar is very tall and not good for pooping in. If you've ever tried to poop into a confined space, you know that taller is not better. Correct. (laughs) There's also just a lot of fun folk stories around these little portable toilets. Most of them are French. Uh, I don't know why. One of my favorites was a bordelou which is a chamber pot specifically for women because it was meant to fit under the skirts, supposedly. This is all potty legend. Although looking at its design, it kind of seems like it might be more of a bedpan. It was oval or oblong shaped with a slightly higher front part. And supposedly they got their name from a priest, Louis Bordelot, who gave extremely long sermons to the point where ladies would have their maids carry in the Bordelot toilet so that they could just sort of piss under their dress without leaving the sermon. That feels apocryphal, but I'm not a doctor. It's almost certainly. As an urban legend related to toilettes, it's very funny. Yes. (laughs) And also, I love the idea that there is now a whole urban legend about how boring and long this one priest was to the point where they named a toilet after him. Extremely good, yes. Another extremely messed up French tradition involving chamber pots is that apparently... A lot of people were confused because if you go antiquing in Europe, a lot of chamber pots will have confusing, like, Cupid and romantic imagery all over them. Because Rococo? Not just Rococo. It turns out it might have something to do with the French wedding tradition of leftover alcohol and food being collected in a chamber pot, which I pray to God is a new one, and you make the newlyweds drink it. Why? Because the French? Okay. (laughs) Like, I guess there's variations where sometimes it would just be, like, the leftover alcohol, which I really hope is, like, in the bottle and not cups, because, like, good God. And sometimes it would be everything. Just meat, alcohol, cake. And sometimes the tradition would be to wait until the couple had left and hunt them down and force them to drink it. Why? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. I tried to find a cause and effect for this, but all I could find is confirmation that the tradition does exist. But no explanation as to why they've done this terrible thing. Like, the only thing I found is that it's supposed to give the newlyweds, like, sex energy. Okay. Do they need it that badly? It also doesn't explain why there's a variation where you have to hunt them and force them to. Yeah, apparently the tradition carries on into modern day, where instead it is now just champagne and chocolate, which is like a really cool 11-year-old's joke. Yeah, like... Um, (laughs) it's really fucking weird. And that's why there's some specific romance-designed chamber pots in Europe. Oh, great. We don't get a lot of them over here because, you know, America's made a lot of extremely bad cultural mistakes, but that isn't one of them, so thank God. (laughs) I also found a 17th century folk song <laughs> called The Crabfish. Okay. Which is a good folk song about a lobster that gets stored in a chamber pot by a fisherman. And the moral of the story is that you should look into the chamber pot before sitting on it. <laughs> I see. So it's just an entire folk song about a guy who gets his ass pinched <laughs> by a lobster. A cautionary tale. <laughs> God history rules. 
As for valuation, you know, they're worth a lot more when you pretend they're soup terrines. You don't say. You think there's more of a demand in that yeah. case? It's weird because I've seen more chamber pots that are visually more beautiful than many soup terrines. Yes, the problem is, as a used object, one must assume it has been used to store certain substances over the centuries. Yeah, but they were also carefully designed to be easy to clean for everyone's comfort. Right, but I still don't want to touch it with my human hands. The unenameled metal freaks me out. Yeah, it's not great. I wouldn't mess with those. But like the china, the pottery, the porcelain, the earthenware. No. Those are all highly sanitizable. No. I'm not saying to eat out of it. You wouldn't like purchase it. What would I use it for, D? Don't say the obvious. I love them as planters. Okay, that is pretty good. Yeah, you don't directly plant into them unless they're broken, at which point I actually would just go nuts and drill a drainage hole in it. But yeah, if you get like one intact and like, especially if the lid's missing, which affects the value as a collectible a lot, then yeah, just find a nice pot that fits neatly into it and get yourself a pretty little planter. Or even, you know, put a flower frog, your flower arrangements. I know one lady who actually had an old enamel bedpan that she hung up on the wall and used for, what's that stinky dried flower stuff people use to make the house stink good? Potpourri? Potpourri! Or poopery. Ho ho! <laughs> that's pretty much all I could think of is just a variety of flower holdings, but I think that's good enough. Yeah. Generally, the more decorative pieces from around, say, like, Victorian Regency are generally more desirable than the later, like, enameled metal and metal modern fixtures. And value can also depend on maker or style. Uh, A lot of really big names are in the chamber pot game because everyone needed one. So you get, like, there are Delft chamber pots and, like, Belique chamber pots, which... (laughs) Names which today are associated with a bygone era of luxury... It is occasionally kind of funny to see them making piss pots. Yes. Obviously, if it's got a hot label, it's going to be worth more. And condition impacts value extremely hard because with any object that was used on a day-to-day, very few survived intact, especially with their lids. If you've got a chamber pot that is intact and has its lid, you can get big money for that, son of a bitch. Big money, no whammies. Now, big money here is anywhere from the 20s of dollars to hundreds based on design, age, maker, and condition. Staffordshire Chamber Pot sold for about 200 bucks at a recent auction. Notably, Staffordshire is a sought-after and becoming fairly more and more rare make of pottery. An unbranded Victorian China Chamber Pot with just kind of like a pretty floral design go for uh, 30 to 50. And a lot of the enamelware ones, anywhere from the 20s to 40s before plastic would start to take over in the 60s, say 35 bucks. So I think they go well as an impulse purchase when you find them because they do not tend to be a lot of money for how pretty a lot of them are. An impulse purchase, quote unquote, gravy boat. <laughs> yeah. And Ken's not kidding. I've seen them sold as gravy boats before. We all have. Mm-hmm. It's almost as though the people labeling them know that a gravy boat is more marketable somehow. <laughs> That one blows my mind the most because a gravy boat has a very distinctive appearance. Yeah, but this is an old-fashioned gravy boat with oldie-timey gravy in it. (laughs) Back when it was square or something. You don't know. You weren't there. Don't ever say old-time gravy about a chamber pot ever again. D, we've been over this. It's not a chamber pot. It's a gravy boat, wink, wink. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so that leads to my next point, which is reproductions, which basically don't exist. No, there's no demand for reproductions of these? It turns out people are not crazy wild to specifically buy chamber pots. You don't say. Yeah, the bigger issue, as you have made very clear, is misrepresentations. Because like you said, a gravy boat and a soup terrine is probably going to command a higher price. Yes, because nobody pissed in it. (laughs) 
<laughs> because nobody that you know of. Given the similarity of the shape between the two, someone has probably used an antique gravy boat as a urinal of some kind at some point. <laughs> out of convenience, if nothing else. <laughs> Misidentification goes both ways, unfortunately. You'll note I have few gravy boats in my apartment. Someone made night soil in a soup tureen. Yes. It's, especially since they had the same level of decoration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying... I don't think you're necessarily safe by buying a genuine gravy boat. <laughs> I think you should. I think you should keep an eye on it. Again, generally, my go-to is to look at the number of handles, which is less useful in a gravy boat. For a gravy boat specifically, it should have a deep belly and a notable low spout. If it doesn't have those, you might be looking at a bedpan or a chamber pot. Because bedpans and chamber pots do not generally have spouts for ease of emptying. That's sort of against the spirit of the object. As for soup tureens, a soup tureen is usually much more oblong, more ovoid in shape, generally speaking, and tend to have two handles so that you can pick up and put on a table. I don't think I've ever actually seen a soup tureen that has a single handle in my life, so I would just call that the warning sign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because I know soup tureens can come in a lot of shapes and sizes, so I would really like lean on the handles. Just ask yourself if this could comfortably be two-handed onto a table, and if not, you might be looking at a piss pot. As for the commode versus dough box issue, this one's also pretty easy. Commodes just look like, most of the time, not always, metal-lined nightstands, or a tall, thin nightstand that has a door and a section under it that you don't otherwise know what the point is. It's for a chamber pot. <laughs> Dough boxes have all four sides sloping inward, so like an inverted... Is that shape the base of a pyramid makes? Oh my god, can you tell I failed at a geometry? Square? No, the base of a pyramid is a square. Like a bar of gold shape. Oh, a trapezoid. Yeah, an upside down trapezoid. So they kind of slope down into a smaller space with dovetail construction. And generally, although later models will have hinged lids, the lid will just lift off so that dough doesn't get stuck in any mechanisms. But the sloping is the hallmark of a dough box, is that it slopes down. Where a commode is just a nightstand that holds a chamber pot. A commode is also more common and worth less money, so keep your head on a swivel if you're shopping for dough boxes. I still don't understand how people think dough box before they think commode. Because I have not even heard of a dough box until this very podcast. I think it's the power of wishful thinking. It's that same sort of rush that gets people to buy reproductions on a whim. I think it has a lot of power to cloud the judgment, you know? Uh. Also, unlike Ken, I am now obsessed with acquiring at least one chamber pot. I found one where the interior was painted with an eyeball as if to watch you go. No! <laughs> a lot of them are sort of cheekily interior painted with funny things. Very common is political figures at the time. Of course. Uh, in fact, there's a small novelty one that has Ronald Reagan in it, which, like, I would all, you know, also, yes. Pardon me, young miss. How much for this Ronald Reagan gravy boat? <laughs> That's right. That's just Reagan swimming in gravy. Tell yourself that. And uh, since some chamber pots had, like, a kind of high-mounted closed spout for emptying, with those kinds of spouts, some of them are shaped like birds and stuff okay so that the animal's mouth spouts the contents when you empty them okay and i hate that oh no there's so many novelty chamber pots and if you see one with a big beautiful painted human eye in the inside like let me know because i'm gonna buy it <laughs> no 
no, no, no. No, thank you. <laughs> if you insist, I won't buy you one for your birthday. Thank you. And that is my attempt to help you understand the wonderful world of chamber pots and to not accidentally eat out of one. Please don't. I think it's basically fine. I wouldn't. It's not pleasant to think about which I think is the number one detractor. Uh-huh. So yeah, I hope this prevents any embarrassing mistakes at your next dinner party. Or your next visit to the antique store. When you see all these wonderful gravy boats around for so cheap. Or saves you some money from an unusually round, deep gravy boat with no spout. <laughs> Sources for today include MyAmericanNurse.com, Bedpan and Social Justice During a Pandemic, WorkshopsInFrance.com, Tureen or Chamberpot, CollectorsWeekly.com, the world's foremost bedpan collector, AntiqueTrader.com. The way to go, chamber pots, commodes, and careless mistakes. AlbanyAntiqueMall.com, that thing they used to keep under the bed. <laughs> AbilitySuperstore.com, their blog Sitting Pretty, A Short History of Bedpans. And AntiquesLoveToKnow.com, White Chamber Pot. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. Or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you loved today's potty humor, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and consider leaving us a review. 10 out of 10, I'm calling all toilets thunderpots from now on, you might say. We received a review recently from Gravy Chris titled, I don't even care about antiques and it's still great. <laughs> I wonder who that is. Listen, I'm no antiquer. I don't even like collecting things. But getting the information of weirdly niche items is still interesting. And the dynamic between Ken and Dee is always great. Ken's straight man to Dee's silliness is a classic comic duo thing, although they'll flip that regularly too, and even though I'd never normally be out here looking for information on paper dolls, Victorian toast, or whatever super niche thing that I didn't even know was a thing they're talking about this week, I find myself excitedly clicking on the latest episode just to hear their research takes. Thanks, Chris. Aw, thanks, Chris. That's very sweet. If you would like to buy things that you could piss in, but I prefer you not, you can come check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks. <laughs> Where we offer a variety of vintage goods, many books, often clowns, rarely chamber pots. And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash antiquesfreaks, where we stream sometimes art, mostly video games, because I'm having trouble getting my tablet to play nice with my computer. And coming soon, a live stream of us looking at chamber pots on auctions, a segment I'm going to call Super Poop. No! <laughs> You don't want it to see for poop? No. Aw. <laughs> we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks where every week we produce a bonus episode where we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful, Varney the Vampire, or the Feast of Blood. Often with fun guests. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>